In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now what that text says is that there are people in the body of Christ who have a responsibility of helping others grow in Jesus. And we've talked a lot in the last couple of years about growth and about becoming the kinds of disciples that God wants us to be. And I have to admit to you, when I read this text, which says he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists, that when I see that word evangelist, if I start relating that to my life, then I think, whoa, I've got a responsibility here. I am called to help people grow in the Lord. I think that's one of the things that, to which I have some responsibility. But I don't think it comes as easily as I would like it to come. People grow differently. People need different things in order to help them grow. Which means that when I'm standing up here and I'm speaking and I'm reading the word of God or I make some comments about scripture and I preach, everybody hears me differently. Everybody hears, on the one hand, that high voice that you could mistake for a woman if you weren't careful. Okay, But on the other hand... You, you hear things differently because of who you are. Because you're a different person than I am. Or you're different from the person sitting next to you. And some of you need different things in preaching. We've got people here who need absolute milk. People who aren't even Christians yet. There are people here who don't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior this morning. And for them, they need what we would characterize as milk. And then we've got some people here who have been Christians for, yay, 50 years or more. And they might say, I need some meat. And so it's not surprising that in the last week, I've heard uh, people make these kinds of comments about our time together on Sunday morning. Here's almost a direct quote. You need to take us deeper into the Bible. Give us some real meat to chew on. We need depth. Okay? Which I think I like. I like that idea. Going deeper into scripture, having some depth, that sounds exciting to me. But I also heard this quote in the last week. People who are new don't understand. If you go too deep, give us the basics during your sermons. Now, if you haven't picked up on it yet in listening to those, those two things, there is a Almost a conflict between them. There are people here who would say, give us deep scripture. That's all we crave. And there are people here who would say, don't give us anything deep because we can't handle it. We need something lighter, something more milk-like that we can drink and digest at our young age and understand. And I want you to know that I get that. I get the dilemma. Now, I've also heard this about our study of the Spirit this fall, because we're this fall we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit in our time together on Sunday mornings, and I've heard this quote recently. I'm so excited about our focus on the Spirit. I've always wanted this. This will challenge us to grow, which is kind of exciting. 
I like the idea of thinking about the Holy Spirit, focusing on the Spirit, and being challenged to grow in that way. That, that turns my crank. On the other hand, I've heard this. I'm afraid a look at the Spirit will be confusing for most. We need to talk about simple Christianity. And I hear that. I get that sentiment. Because there are people here who really need something easier. Milk-like. And so, what is a preacher to do? Stuck between those who've been here for a long time and those who haven't been here for very long at all and all need to grow and I want to be able to feed you. And so, here's what I've done. This made so much sense to me. I've thought and I've prayed. And I've asked God to bless me and to lead me into both the choice about what we're doing with the Holy Spirit this fall and also what I need to say about the Spirit. And here's my thought. This is not profound. This is not even original. But this is a thought for today. Looking at the Spirit is both Christian Basics 101. Okay? Looking at the Spirit is both Christian Basics 101 and a look into the depths of God. I'm convinced of that. I think that looking at the Holy Spirit is one of the most challenging things that a Christian can do. To do a study of Scripture, go through the New Testament, and ask, what is the Bible saying about the Holy Spirit, I think is incredibly challenging. Wonderfully challenging. And as somebody who's been a Christian for 50 years, and who knows the Bible inside and out, can still be challenged by a look at the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I'm absolutely convinced that being knowledgeable at some level of the Holy Spirit is so basic to what it means to be a Christian. It is the simplest thing in one sense that we need to do. Look at what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be in the life of the Christian. Very, very important. Certainly, that's important for somebody who is just coming to Jesus who doesn't really know the Lord. Now, we're going to look at the deep side later on. The depths of the Holy Spirit is going to come later. This morning, what I want to do is I want to show you just how basic the Spirit is to our lives in Christ. And I want to start with this scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Whoa! That's pretty simple. Not only is that simple, but it's incredibly direct. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now, we can easily think of things that a person needs to have in order to be part of Christ. You would say a person needs to believe in who Jesus is. A person needs to understand that they are a sinful person. They need to understand why Jesus died on the cross. We need to understand the basic tenets of the gospel. There's some things that we need to do in terms of confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in him and being baptized in the name of Christ. Those things also are in response to Jesus. But not usually do we say, well, what I really need to do in order to understand all that it is for me to be a Christian is to understand the Holy Spirit. But that's what Paul says. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It sounds to me like being part of the Spirit's ministry in the life of the church is important. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, this conclusion I would make is that inclusion in Christ is directly related to the Holy Spirit. Inclusion in Jesus is directly related to the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense in which if you don't get the Holy Spirit, ooh, you don't get Christ. If you don't get the Holy Spirit, you don't get Christ. 
And that's not me. That's Paul. In fact, I would say that's Jesus. I would say that's John the Baptist. We'll look at some texts later that kind of go exactly in that direction. Here's another text. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now that's interesting. Because you'd have to ask, what happens if you don't have the spirit? What if you're misunderstanding the spirit? What if you don't think about the Holy Spirit? Isn't there something about Jesus living in you that is going to be missed misunderstood, but maybe missed entirely if you don't understand something about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And so being transformed by Christ is directly related, it seems to me, to the Holy Spirit. If you want to be transformed in Jesus and go from that person who doesn't know Christ to a person who is the mature follower of Christ, it sounds like the Holy Spirit is something you need in your life. Then look at this text. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Could we say the reverse? Those who are not led by the Spirit of God are not sons of God? Is that too strong? Or is that just a logical repercussion of what Paul is trying to say? It seems to me there's something there that we have to grab onto in terms of the ministry of the Spirit in the life of the church. And so our basic identity, it seems to me, as sons of God is directly related to the Holy Spirit. Now that seems to me to say that there are some things that we need to get about the Holy Spirit if we're going to be what God wants us to be in Jesus. And so I would say an understanding of the Holy Spirit is foundational to our life in Christ. Now I wrestled with the grammar here. This seems like such a little thing. Should I say our lives in Christ or should I say our life in Christ? And you think, who cares, Kelly? But I thought it was important because we have one life in Christ as a church. We have a life together that we share. And it seems to me that the understanding of the Holy Spirit is foundational to our life as a church. And that's why I want to focus on it this fall. Now, understand, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that the Spirit is simple. It doesn't mean that a study of the Holy Spirit is going to be just nothing but milk. My impression is that as we study the Holy Spirit together, that we're going to have many moments of meat eating. And I'm hoping that a study in the Spirit will be challenging for every one of us. 50 years in the faith, 50 days in the faith. So it won't be in that sense simple all the time. There's going to be some meat. But I do think that this is absolutely foundational and therefore, in some sense, simple. You know, John the Baptist came and he preached for a while with some people. The Pharisees came to him and the Sadducees came to him and lots of people came out to John and he started baptizing them in the river and then he started telling them about Jesus. And there's some wonderful things he said about Jesus. He said things like, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he said, there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie or untie. And he also said, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. That means that as John got ready to tell people about Jesus 
and as he was preparing the world for the coming of Christ, he decided that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's ministry in the church was one of the crucial elements that he needed to provide for people right from the outset. And so he starts laying out a doctrine of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. In Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, when the apostles come to Jesus after he's been raised from the dead and he's on earth for a while, he spends 40 days teaching with them and talking to them about the things of the kingdom. And they come to him and say, tell us about when all these things are going to take place. When is the kingdom going to come in its fullness? And Jesus doesn't even answer the question. They come and say, tell us when these things will happen. And Jesus says, I don't want to talk about that, but let me tell you this. You're going to be my witnesses. Starting here in Judea, it's going to expand to Samaria and to the rest of the world. And as it does, the Holy Spirit is going to come and show you these things. And twice, he specifically mentions the Holy Spirit, just in the 40 days there in Acts chapter 1 with the apostles telling them this is crucial and part of what it means for you to be the leaders of the church. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes with fire and starts the whole book, talks about the history of the church as if it's just nothing but the Holy Spirit working in the life of the church. And sometimes I think the book of the Acts of the Apostles should be named, not the Acts of the, of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Spirit, because it's the Spirit who works in the life of the church. And so we're going to study the Holy Spirit. I think God is going to bless us deeply. This is something that churches of Christ in our history have not focused on as much as we have some other things. And in my opinion, we've absolutely missed the boat. And so is it simple? Yes. But is it profound? Hugely so. The Spirit is basic and foundational, and yet at the same time, the depths of the Spirit are such that we could probe them the rest of our lives and never reach the bottom. It's kind of like this. Is love for your child simple? Is, is love for your child, those of you who are parents, is it not kind of a basic thing that you possess? Like when the child comes out of the womb, is it not the case that immediately... There is love. Is it not from the beginning right there? It's so simple. It's so foundational. It's so basic. Parents love their kids. And yet, is there anything so profound, so challenging, so meaningful, so eternal, so ever-present for those of you who are parents as the love that you have for your children? Is there anything more challenging? I've got two sons in their mid-20s. And you'd think that by now I'd be done with the whole parenting thing. Last week I had to bring my 22-year-old up from Abilene, Texas because he's got a broken ankle and he needs an MRI, so I had to fly him up here and then send him back again. He's working his way through university. His dad worries constantly about how he's doing and whether or not that ankle's too sore for him to work and so he can't have enough money to put himself through university. I'm still the parent that I was, I think, 15 or 20 years ago, still concerned about my children. And it's going to continue. Something so simple and so profound as I love my kids continues in my life today as one of the most profound challenges and blessings that I have in my life as I reflect on what it means to be the parent of grown children. And so the spirit in our lives is like that, I think. So simple, so natural, so basic, so foundational what it, to what it means to be in Jesus, and at the same time, so challenging and so everlasting in that sense in our Christian lives, our Christian walks together. Now, I have an assignment for you. 
I want you to do this. I want you to this week read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. I want you to read those this week in your private study. And I want you to, to answer the question or to focus on why does God say what he says here in Scripture about the Holy Spirit? Why does he do what he does with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2? This is the beginning of the life of the church in Acts 1 and Acts 2. And from the beginning, the Holy Spirit is so foundational to everything that the church is. And we're starting here with the fall with something new. We are starting a, a new fall together, new ministry, new life together, and we're trying to make, as we do, the Spirit foundational to everything that our ministry is conducting. Everything we're doing as a church, we want the Spirit to be foundational to what we're doing. So we need to have some understanding. We need to work on what it means for the Spirit to be active in our lives. So I want you to go home from here today, this week, read it several times, Acts 1 and Acts 2, and just ask that question, why? Why did God do what he did through the Spirit? Why is this recorded in Scripture? What are we supposed to learn about the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2? I am so excited and looking forward to how God is going to bless us as we move forward in the fall. For the church together to study the Holy Spirit is wonderful. And I think he's going to bless us richly. Let's pray. Lord God, we want very much for your spirit to rain down on us. We want, Lord, for your spirit to fill us to overflowing. Father, we want to be blessed in you through the presence of your spirit in such a way that something happens within us which is dynamic and powerful and life-changing and world-changing. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits. Teach us and lead us. Father, we want to be followers of you. We want to be led by your spirit. Help us to be led by your spirit. Through Christ we pray. Amen.